Luke chapter 22, right around verse 46. And as I was putting together this sermon, I really wasn't looking forward to it. It's a, it's a topic that I don't really like to talk about. It's a person I don't really enjoy in the scriptures. Kind of just wanted to buzz through. Most of the people I read and listened to just kind of buzz through and make some observations, applications. And yet as I was wrestling through with the contrast of this one fellow we're going to study today a little bit, and then the next fellow we're going to study. And the two fellows will study in succession Judas Iscariot today and Peter the apostle next week. And we see this contrast of failures and responses. We see Simon Peter next week as he denies the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. And on the third time, he cusses and swears that he doesn't know that blankety blank man. Whoa, bad day for Peter. And then we see the response of Peter, a softened heart, a repentant heart. And today we see an equal sin. Judas Iscariot, as he comes into the Garden of Gethsemane with a troop of soldiers with brandished swords and clubs and torches. And he walks right up to Jesus and he kisses him on the cheek to identify him that he might be arrested. And as soon as he does this, Judas Iscariot, which we all know Judas Iscariot, don't we? You've heard that name before. He's one of the most infamous characters in the world. So disregarded is he, so hated is he, that nobody's naming their firstborn sons Judas anymore. Anybody want to name your kid Judas? You, you saved that name Judas for like that one car you had in college that never started. Yeah, my old car, Judas, you know, or, or whatever, that thing, you know, it's a nickname, Judas. And yet as I put this together, I thought, you know what's crazy? Is Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss? He received 30 pieces of silver. That was his deed. Peter would go on the very same day to deny the Lord once, twice, and thrice, and we would easily say, I love Peter, I respect Peter, I want to be like Peter, and yet what Peter did was narnar. If you fast forward six years, there's a man that comes on the scene named Saul. We know him better as Paul. He would write one-third of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, and if you know his life, the way he started was attacking Christians. He would actually persecute Christians. He would go into Bible studies and grab men and women and put them on the floor, and he would take his boot and put it on their neck and say, denounce Christ now or die. And people would denounce that they were believers, and he would arrest them and even have them killed. And yet you and I, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, are to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. We're to follow Paul and be just like Paul and learn from Paul and go after Paul because Paul loved Jesus so much, and yet Paul had some dark stuff in his, in his shadows, doesn't he? He had some skeletons in his closet. Peter had some dark days, some skeletons, some shadows in his closet as well. Judas had some dark days and skeletons and shadows in his closet as well. What's the difference? The difference is not that they fell, because they all did. The difference is in what they did after they fell. You see, each and every person here this morning, each and every person watching right now, all the people at the 9 a.m. service, for sure the people at the 6 p.m. service, the reprobate service. <laughs> I'm kidding. reprobate look it up later <laughs> each and every person here okay has some stuff in our rearview mirror that we're ashamed of things that still haunt you things that come back to plague you i know i do okay and there are even things in my my, my purview mirror where i'm at right now right now that i'm dealing with things i struggle with things that i'm embarrassed about things that are shameful and i hide and yet what i do after that is what determines my relationship with god you see, Judas was one of the 12. He was with Jesus for three years. For a lot of reasons, he should have ended better than he did. I also agree he should have done better than he did, but I look at Peter, he had some bad days. I look at Paul, he had some bad days. I look at myself, had some bad days. 
I look around at you guys on your Facebook. Y'all have bad days. I know you. I'll tell you what. Here, here's the problem. We all sin, okay? And if we have a misunderstanding of sin, we're going to do life wrong, and we're going to find ourselves at the end of our days or when set up for great failure, making huge mistakes. Because here's what happens normally. You see, we look at sin in two ways. Horizontally, okay? That is one-to-one, how it affects us. And then we look at sin vertically. That is the way God looks at it. But you and I are pretty horizontally minded. We think about life and the impact this way. And so we all have a list of sins, okay, that have horizontal impact, okay? We have normal sins, the things we all deal with, like speeding and judging others and maybe just a little bit of mild carnality, gossiping, worrying, all these things that are just kind of small-tier sins. Do we not all have those things that every day we're just like, ah, it's not a big deal, you know? So you're driving 13 miles an hour over the speed limit. It's just a little bit, gossiping, worrying, all these things that are normal. Then there's the next level of sins. Okay, we call them the worst sins. These are addictions, substance abuse, uh, just foul living in general, evil, mean hearts, kind of just like, man, just evil. We kind of try and stay away from there, don't we? And then we have the really bad sins, okay, the crazy sins, the adultery, murder, rape, stealing, brutality, a whole list of other atrocities. And horizontally, I'm going to go with you, there are different effects based on the sins we do. Okay? A small sin will have a small effect this way. A bigger sin will have a bigger effect this way. There are horizontal realities. Here's the deal, though. I agree that there is a horizontal difference, but the crazy thing is, is that to God, there is no difference of sin vertically. This is crazy. There is no difference. There aren't no small sin, bigger sin, oh, big sin. Not this way. Every single sin costs Jesus the same amount of blood. Every single sin is an act of folly and willful rebellion against God. Every single sin. And yet you and I make justifications for little things, and here's the problem. When we have little sins and they go unrepentant, we've all done it, it ultimately leads us into bigger sins, does it not? You can start out in shallow water, NBD, and you can keep walking into deeper water, and pretty soon you're wading in the deep stuff. That's just the way it works. It's the way Satan works. It's the way sin works. And if you're honest, you've found it true in your own life. Have you ever been somewhere, and all of a sudden you look down, and you look up, and you look around, and you think, how did I get here? I swore I would never. I swore I would not. I didn't think I could. And yet one mild, listen, unrepentant sin after another leads you into the deepest, darkest waters, doing things, if you're honest. Anybody have that happen to them? Anybody? anybody? Okay, me and Will and these three. That's it. Thank you, Will, for not leaving me hanging up here. Man, oh, I've been there. I've been there. And you, you look back at what happened, and it was a little thing. And as I put this together, I was, I was thinking, Lord, there are people that are going to come to church that know you. They're Christians. And the word of God, when taught, is designed to go out and to cleanse us and to do work and to get a hold of our hearts and to convict us. And there are other people who are going to come to church, Lord. They don't know you. They justified sin just as the person next to them, but they're not a Christian. And so to them, it's not even a big deal. And yet God says that his word is able to do things in our hearts and reveal our intentions and cause us to become believers and to cause us to become those who are sanctified in the process. And so what God is doing here this morning is very important for your salvation and for your sanctification. And the problem with unrepentant sin or, or misunderstanding of sin is that it will dull your senses. 
And eventually, your smaller, manageable sins become greater sins. As a matter of fact, no one ever pours themselves a stiff drink, the very first stiff drink ever, and says, dude, I'm going full-on alcoholic. Woo! No one says that. Nobody said that. Nobody goes to the store for their very first pack of cigarettes. And you remember, remember when you bought your first pack of cigarettes? I remember when I bought my first pack. No one ever shows up and says, I'll take uh, Winston Lights, unless you have black tar heroin. You got any of that? You know, nobody goes next level, first step. You don't do it. Nobody's at work or at school and flirts with that person and says, I hope this ends in an affair and I lose my family and my career. I really hope this is where that goes. Nobody says that. But with a flirt, with a small unrepentant sin, with things that are, we think, manageable and unoffensive this way, it's harmless, and yet God says, hey, my son died for that, and eventually, because you don't know what Satan's plans are. I'm talking about Judas here, by the way. Judas, on the third year, third anniversary of being a pastor of the Church of Jesus Christ, okay? He was on staff, an associate pastor to Jesus Christ. He had some good theology. He had some good education. He had some good company. And all of a sudden, somehow, unrepentant sin in Judas's life, he was selfish, he was cold, he was brutal. He was so close to Jesus, but not intimate with Jesus. And the danger lurks within each and every one of us here this morning. We can be close. You can sit through great Bible teaching. We'll talk about it at the end. You can have great resources. You can have a great spouse or great friends afforded to you. And it doesn't mean that you're saved. It doesn't mean you're near him. And that's, I don't know if that scares you, but it scares me. Again, we look at Judas and just, oh man, Judas, what a, what a punk, dude, that guy. And we just write him off. He's no different than Peter and Paul. He was right there. Okay, he's no different than you or the person sitting next to you. And we need to learn and lean in and find lessons for our help that we might not fall into smaller sins that lead to bigger sins that lead to a dull and broken heart. Because all sin starts out small. As a matter of fact, uh, sin in the Bible is likened as unto leprosy, which was a skin condition in those days. And leprosy started internally and would evidence itself in just a small little spot and kind of itchy and bothersome. And eventually it would take over and it would start to deaden your feelers and your receptors and you couldn't feel anymore. And you would put your hand on something hot and people would think they're barbecuing burgers, but it's really just your hand sizzling, you know. And sin is that way also. And even the little stuff and as I process this in the last 72 hours, for me, Luke Frechette, you process it for yourself. I had to look at the stuff in my life, the stuff I allow to creep in, the stuff that I've said, that's okay. It's not that bad. As, have you ever done that before? It's not that bad. I'm not murdering anybody. It's just me. It's not that big a deal. Dude, you should see what the rest of this world's doing. It's not that bad. Reminds me of the story of the boys that asked their dad if they could go see the rated R movie. And the dad did the rating check. He's like, ah, it's just got some stuff in it, boys, that I don't want you to see this young or really ever. And I don't think you should go, oh, come on, dad, you're the worst, you know. And sorry, boys, you can't see this rated R movie. And the boys march off into the room, and they're mad. And the dad feels like a jerk. And so what he does is he makes them some cookies. You guys remember this story, right? He makes some cookies. And he brings them into their room. He says, guys, I feel so bad for being the, the hard guy, and I just love your heart, so I want to protect you. And I don't want you to be exposed to anything unnecessarily. And so that's what I did. I love, I love, so I made you some cookies, kind of to take away the, you know, the blow. So, so here's some cookies. Enjoy these. And the boys grab the cookies, and the dad says, one thing, though, within those cookies is one teaspoon of dog poop. Now, it's been baked in, okay, 
The dog eats organic dog food. It's all good. There's so much. It's just one teaspoon of dog poop cooked in there. It's actually not a big deal. 350 degrees for 12 minutes. It's cool. Go ahead and eat them. And the boys did what you would do. I'll pass. <laughs> it's a chocolate chip cookie with some dog poop. And in life, may the Spirit give conviction where conviction is necessary. In our lives, we say it's not that big a deal. And maybe on our horizontal scale, it's not. It's not going to get me any jail time. It's not going to offend my unbelieving friends. It's not that big a deal. But somewhere in the scriptures, you know God has said, don't do that. That's not for you. That's actually a little bit of dog poop. And you have a decision to make daily. In the last even 72 hours as I was putting this together, the Lord kind of brought some things to my purview right here in front of me. He said, how's this going, Luke? Yeah, I can could, I could, I could see where that's, that's offensive. I can see where that needs to be dealt with. And the Lord said, what's it worth to you, Luke? What's it worth, the intimacy that I have with you? The impact that this may even bring you horizontally. You don't know what Satan has planned for you. You don't know what traps and what trajectory he has you set on. Here, here's what the Bible teaches. It teaches that eventually our hearts and our conscience and our ears become dulled through sin, unrepentant sin, and eventually they become seared where the feeling's not even there anymore. And there's somebody sitting here right now or somebody backing up too right over there. <laughs> Maybe we could shut those doors. Anybody help me out? Thank you. Go ahead, Paul, shut that door. There's somebody sitting here right now though that's saying this. Ah, that would never happen to me. I'll never do that. And, and by God's grace, may it be so. May you never find yourself tiptoeing into craziness and finding yourself doing foolish things. You're, you're sitting here, somebody saying, I'll never become an alcoholic. I'll never do black tar heroin. I don't even know what that is. I'll never embezzle money. I'm never going to have an affair. In Jesus' name, amen. But let me just say one thing else. What if you don't go do crazy stuff? But what if your heart is hard and your ears are dull and your conscience begins to be seared and you just stop receiving from the Lord great graces and mercies and newness of his fresh spirit every day? See, this is, I think, my danger. I'm probably not going to, in Jesus' name, by his grace and mercy, do something crazy, okay, off the wall. I'm just, I'm just not, in Jesus' name, praise God, okay? But I am susceptible to a hardened heart and dull ears through, through things crowding in the filter of my life. As God downloads things to me, Luke, I want to love you. I want to give this fresh revelation and sweet intimacy, and yet it comes clouded because of the simple things, the small tear issues that I've allowed in my life, and Jesus looks at me and says, why would you do that? Well, because we believe that it's actually going to satisfy us, that it's going to help us. Judas did what he did, betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver because somewhere he had justified, this is actually going to bring me where I want to go, do what I want done, and take me where I'm trying to get. I've told you this before. By now you should have it tattooed in Spanish on your left arm. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay and it will cost you more than you're willing to pay every single time. Can you, can you commit that to a principle in your memory for me? Would you do that? Because here's what's going to happen. You are going to try and manage your small sins in the future. You're going to do it. Okay, so am I. And I want you to, as a principle, tell yourself immediately that you are wrong, okay? That this will not actually serve you. This will take you somewhere you don't want to go, cost you more than you were bargaining to pay, and keep you longer every single time. As a matter of fact, now in my life, when I'm surprised with a big old punch in the face, pfft, oh, oh, it did it again. Oh, Lord, you said, and it did. Ah, oh, 
and I repent. See, the Bible tells us that after Judas did what he did, he had remorse in his heart. Okay? Another word for remorse is regret. This is a gift that we all share when we do something stupid, we feel bad. Do you not feel bad when you do stupid stuff? Okay, if you don't feel bad when you do stupid stuff, man, you're really in need of prayer. You should feel dumb, okay? Man, I did it again, crud. Remorse and regret, though, are different than repentance. Repentance means I feel bad, I shed a tear, I'm bummed out, I regret, I rem- I'm remorseful, listen, and I repent. I actually change and do differently by the power of God. To repent literally means to turn around and go different, to fight in a different direction, to disconnect that service, delete that email, distance yourself from that friend, disregard that invitation, whatever you need to do, you're different. And can I just say, if you're a believer here, you have the gift of God's conviction in your heart. If you're a non-believer here, just doing it your own way, God has made you in his image and you also have a conscience. It's a gift for you. There's a girl that goes to church here and she was on probation. And she was with some friends and they actually told her, would you do some heroin with us? And they said, we'll give you something that will help you pee clean when you see your, your PO, your parole officer, in a few days. And she agreed. And so she did some heroin and she went and saw her parole officer and passed the UA. And as she passed the UA, the parole officer was putting it all together. So, well, you did a good job and things are going here and well done. And he stopped and he looked at her and said, so how are you really doing? And she froze and she began to cry. And she said, I did heroin. And he said, what? She said, I did heroin. I, I did it. And I passed the test because I, I'm a liar and, and I knew I could and I did, but and he took her and he put her in jail, okay? Because there's consequences. And I went to Lincoln County Jail to visit her. And as I sat there and listened to her story, I started crying myself. I was like, wait a minute, you got away with it? You were, you were donezo free? It, it worked? And yet you couldn't accept that freedom because it was fake. And, I, and you confessed it. And I started crying, I was like, that's the greatest gift that God gives to his kids, it's conviction. He doesn't want you to stay in your stuff and have a plate full of poop cookies. You confessed it. And I said, you, you are so forgiven. Your consequences, man, get in line. We're all dealing with consequences. Vertically, though, she wouldn't forfeit that intimacy. Through her failure, her mistake, and each one of us here have failure and mistake, and we can learn from Peter and Paul, and we can glean from Judas and say, what's going on in my own heart, Lord? Because it's not just an issue of this sin. The heart of every issue is an issue of your heart. What's going on? And for me, I'm, I'm thankful right now in Jesus' name that there's nothing crazy going on in my life. I don't have any secret crazy stuff, man. It's not crazy, but it's all just kind of normal stuff. And the Lord calls me and he says, you, you think that's good? Is that worth it? Is it worth it for you, Freshette? Is that what you want to do? Is that who you want to be? And I hope he calls you out today. He says, what are you trying to be? Who are you trying to walk with and get near? And we learn from Judas and Peter. And we can take inventory. Because at the end of the day, He's really after your heart. It, it's not really about the stuff, okay, the, the, the lies, the, 
the, the carnality. And by the way, carnality is at an all-time high, is it not? Have you, see, have you been on the internet ever? Okay. And you all have the internet in your pocket now. The, the world around us currently, every single state right now is legislating lunacy, okay, right now. They're finding that is what, that's what's lunacy. It's crazy. And they're saying, let's just make it legal. Let's make it legal. And the Bible says that there is an evil generation. Listen, please. There is an evil generation that takes that which is evil and calls it good. God says, watch out for that generation. We've done that. Don't you know that? We've taken things. Murder of the unborn. Okay? A distortion of family. Truly. Okay? A justification of you name it. And we said, it's okay. It's absolutely okay. It's not illegal to do this. It's okay. Free world. Therefore, it's okay, right? And we can learn from the scriptures today. If you, if you have an ear to hear, may the Spirit speak to us today. Because Judas, he, he's kind of what we're studying today. He, he had every opportunity to learn, did he not? Great Bible studies. You think, Jesus took, you think Judas took notes? Okay, I take notes. Great, great friends. Peter and Andrew and John and Bartholomew and all those cats. Like, those are some good friends. I don't know about you. I've, I've got some good friends, people I can call on at any time that will pray for me, hold me accountable, kick me in the neck if I need it. That's a good thing. If you have a good friend, it'll kick you in the neck. Okay? They love you. I want you to walk straight. Judas had all that. The Bible tells us in other places that he was uh, the treasurer. He kept the money. Uh, the Bible tells us that uh, he actually wanted more money for himself, so he had a greedy heart. He was not in it with pure motives. And the thing I need to stress right now is this. This is the most important thing you're here all day. Even though Judas was with Jesus and his company and his friends, he wasn't really in love with Jesus. And that's scary. There are churches today packed out with pastors, staff, religious people. They actually don't care about Jesus. They don't, they don't care. Jesus? No, I don't really care about him. Because I'm doing pretty good. I got my own agenda. Judas was with Jesus. That close. Didn't love him. Peter blew it. He was with Jesus. And as soon as he realized he offended Jesus, he wept bitterly. And Peter, three days later, was the first one, along with John and the ladies, to the tomb. Because he needed forgiveness. Forgiveness of what? Oh, I hurt Jesus. I fully hurt. I, my actions were so dark. Jesus, can you forgive me? It wasn't just remorse and regret. It was repentance. And Jesus forgave him. Guys, I hope you love Jesus. I hope you don't just love a church or a club or, or something else. He was close to him with proximity, but far from him with intimacy. And this is the lesson that we need to learn the most. Are you intimate with him? John, when he wrote 1 John, would pen this scripture. He would say, they went out from us, but they were not of us. If they'd been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Speaking of Judas and others who were there at Bible study, going to groups, hosting meetings, yet they missed Jesus Christ. I've got some points to make at the end, but let's just read this through and study it verse by verse. I want you to see the context. Look at verse 46. This is where we left off last week. 
And as a matter of fact, before I read, I'm going to pray. I believe we're in the spirit now, but I want to pray before we read God's word and let his word touch your hearts. Lest this be a waste of your time. Father, in Jesus' name, would you transform men and women right now? Set a fire within them that no matter what culture says, no matter what Satan says, no matter what their darkened minds say, in Jesus' name, that, Lord, you would get a hold of them right now, every single person here, and that that fire would begin, and it would begin to burn within us, and it would change our lives, for each one of us are going to die and stand and give to you, Lord, a testimony. We're going to have to stand before you, and I pray in Jesus' name that today would change everything for us moving forward. If there be somebody here that has a past that they're ashamed of or afraid of, your past does not define you. Your now and your ending are more important. So, Father, may your word have its way. I pray for your help and teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 46, then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Jesus now finishing the Garden of Gethsemane prayer. We studied this last week. Rises from prayer for the third time, brushing blood off of his forehead, hematridosis sweating and stressing so much in agonizing prayer that his capillaries burst within his face, mixing with blood and water, foretelling what he would endure on the cross the next day. And Jesus goes to his boys, and they were sleeping while he was praying, and Jesus was able to rise up with great confidence that we'll see because he spent time in prayer. Peter rose up with sleep in his eye, and the first thing he did is he grabbed a sword and begins to attack people. Let's read it. Verse 47. And while he, that is Jesus, was still speaking, behold, a multitude. And he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Asking this question, because I believe as soon as Judas kissed him, as he led Judas, this band of soldiers and high priests with swords and clubs and torches walking through the woods, you've seen the passion of the Christ. And now as he gets to Jesus, he slowly meanders up to him and kisses him on the cheek. And Jesus, in full control, looks at Judas and says, a kiss? That's how you're betraying me? And I believe it was in that moment that Judas's eyes were opened up to where he had gotten, to what he had just done. And he looked at Jesus, who he had just betrayed. And he looked at the 11 who were offended, deeply, disappointed. Judas, Judas, we just, he just washed your feet. We just had supper. Who are these? Did you bring these people, Judas? And he begins to back off the devastation within his own understanding. As Jesus asked this simple question, you're going to kiss me while you're doing this? And so too, some of us in our sin, in our rebellion, we mock God and we laugh at him and we don't know what we're doing. And Jesus would ask that question in love. I believe it's the same question that God asked Adam and Eve. Remember Adam and Eve when they were in the garden and they ate the fruit and as soon as they ate the fruit, they freaked out. Ah! They found themselves naked, fearful, and Satan began to plague them and they ran, hid themselves and covered themselves with fig leaves. Remember what the question God asked was? Adam, where are you? Now ask yourself this, did God lose his son? Did he, you know what I'm saying? You ever lose your kids before? It's crazy. God didn't lose Adam. He asked that question for Adam's sake. Hey, Adam, what's going on? Look around. 
And Adam looked down. Where am, where am I? Why am I covered with fig leaves? And God whispered to him, that's poison ivy, bro. He was like, ah, oh, you know, the first huge mistake in the garden, you know. Thought it was fig leaves. I'm just kidding. But anyways, why are we running from God? Can I just say this? When Jesus asked this to Judas, when God asked that to Adam, when God whispers at your heart, what are you doing? Why are you here? He, he loves you so much. He's asking you for your sake. So you can, oh, dad, dad, I blew it. And God covered Adam and Eve's sin, okay? There were consequences horizontally, and there was love vertically. And I believe even here, we'll see it next week as well, as Peter denies Jesus once, twice, and thrice. The Bible says on the third denial that Peter looks up with anger in his eyes, and he looks across the courtyard. You know what he sees? Jesus. And Jesus has blood coming off his face, and he's in handcuffs. And the Bible says that Peter and Jesus' eyes meet. And the Bible says that Jesus beholds him. In the Greek, it literally means to catch somebody with your gaze. As Peter was falling, Jesus, I got you. I got you. And this is designed to break your heart. It's designed to get you back into fellowship with Jesus. Adam and Eve, Judas Iscariot, Simon Peter, Paul the Apostle, Luke for Shet. As we find ourselves, he asks, are you doing this with a kiss? Look at verse 49. When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? The other 11 guys get up, Peter specifically. They see the guys with soldiers and clubs and torches, and they say, hey, it's going to be a fight. And Jesus is like, have I not taught you anything? Have you guys been playing violent video games again? You know? I mean, they, ju they jump up like, it's go time now. <laughs> you know? And they, look at what happens. And one of them, that's Peter, verse 50, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this. That is the arrest, the betrayal. It's happening. Guys, don't, don't resist. And he touched his ear and healed him. This is crazy to me. Peter, again, who had been sleeping, we'll study this next week, he'd been sleeping, wakes up, sees soldiers, and maybe to back his previous boastful comments, Lord, I'll never deny you. These other bozos, for sure, I will never. And maybe now with a suicide mission in mind, he's like, Rah! you know, I'll take all these guys out, and he goes for the little guy, Malchus, first. <laughs> you know, the servant of the high priest. Like the guy, This guy's like, well, what are you hitting me for, you know? It's crazy, by the way, that his reaction was just to take the sword and to cut people. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. And there is within Christians at times a reaction against attackers to fight back and hurt people with the sword. Have you, have you seen this? I'm going to prove I'm right. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to prove you're wrong. I've done this before. And Jesus says, knock it off. That's not how you're supposed to use the word of God. The word of God is not a sword of attacking. Instead, it is like a scalpel that does surgery upon our hearts, and it reveals what we need, and it's to be used with sensitivity and truth and specificity, not just wailing. Did you know when Jesus picked up that ear and healed Malchus's ear, that essentially Malchus was on the other team, the arresting team, the murderous team. Essentially, Malchus was a murderer. He was there arresting Jesus. And Jesus picks up that ear and says, even for my murderers, I'm going to minister to you. 
I'm going to heal you. This shows Jesus. These guys showed up with clubs and torches and a whole bunch of people. They evidently had no idea. Judas also who Jesus really was. And can I just time out real quick? I wonder how many people are here at church right now. And you would be honest enough to say, I probably don't really know Jesus as good as I should either. If Judas Iscariot can bring this band of people if Jesus' boys stand up with knives, maybe if they, had it, if they had it wrong and they were with them for three years, there's a chance that I might be confused also. And Jesus here, wanting to demonstrate love and truth, grabs the ear and heals his murderer's ear. And I can guarantee you this man, Malchus, the one who had his ear healed, went on to start ministries throughout, maybe churches, and he called those churches, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. It's kind of funny. I would have. You know this guy became a believer. And he was one time a betrayer. Look what happens next. Verse 52 and 53. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple, and the elders who had come to him. Man, a lot of people. He said, have, have, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me. Listen, but this is your hour in the power of darkness. Did you know that Jesus is in full control right here? He's in control with Judas. Judas, a kiss? Really? Peter, a sword on Malchus's head? Really? Guys who are arresting me, you, you're doing it this way at night with club? In, I was at the church yesterday and you didn't? Really? I love Jesus. Because even in the midst of every single person's sin and folly, Jesus says, permit this for this is the hour of darkness. And he allows himself to be arrested, knowing that he will pay for the sins of humanity. This is the only way that we could find forgiveness is if the sacrificial lamb is murdered. The disciples didn't know it. Judas didn't get it. Jesus and the Father knew it. And even though there was sin, and even though there was failure, Jesus is still supreme, and he reigns sovereign. Now, there's a lot of things we could say here in, in kind of wrapping up. Why did Ju Judas do this? Did you know the Bible doesn't actually say why Judas did it? We have some clues, right? There are scriptures that prophesy somebody, the man of perdition, would betray the Lord. Okay, somebody had to do it, right? And you can be a legalist today and say, well, he had to do it. He had no choice. He's not a victim. Okay, he had a choice. The Bible also says in the very previous verses, look at verse 3. It says, then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered with the 12. Stop right there as up here. Not only are there scriptures saying that somebody would do this, the Bible says Satan entered into him and caused him to do this. Now, don't ever do this, but how many of you guys have said the devil made me do it? You know? Okay. You ever said that before? The devil made me do it. I'm for real, though. When I find myself into waters I shouldn't be in and doing things I ought not to do, for real, I can smell Satan's breath. Okay? I smell hell. There are demons targeting me. There are demons out to get you, too. You better know it. Okay? The world is broken, your own heart is broken, and Satan is broken after you. That's what's going on. Not only are there prophecies detailing that somebody would betray and Satan was targeting Judas, but also he was an unregenerate sinner. He was not saved. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Okay, he was not one. John said that in 1 John. They left us because they weren't of us. Jesus would say in John 10, nobody takes anybody from the Father. Once saved, always saved. That's what the Bible teaches unless you're not saved, then you're not saved. That's just the deal. 
But if you are saved, if you've been born again, regenerated, okay, let me, let me just read it to you, actually. I want you to hear it. This is Jesus, uh, Jason Santoni, pastor of the Ark Bible Church. He's probably done teaching by now. He sent this to me. He said, dude, just, just meditate on this, John 10. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Why did Judas do this? He wasn't given over to the Lord. He instead had ulterior motives. It was going to be good for him. Did you know that Judas was the only of the 12 from uh, Judea down south? Everyone else was from Galilee, farmers and fishermen, normal guys. He was the educated one. He was the one who'd been through the training schools, and he maybe had ideas. We don't know why he did what he did. Some speculate that it was political. Jesus was a political man, and so was Judas, and Judas wanted to have a political succession, and he saw that Jesus was willing to lay his life down, and instead of going out that way, he cashed out. He didn't want to be part of that political system. Maybe. It doesn't say that. It could have been financially motivated. We do know that Judas was stealing money from Jesus' ministry. He was the CFO, the chief financial officer, the treasurer. He was patting his pocket, and now he knows Jesus is going to die, and so he wanted to cash himself out and get a little more money before it was all said and done. We don't know if that was his motive. Maybe he was just disappointed. Maybe Jesus didn't do for him what he wanted done. Has, has life ever disappointed you before? Don't raise your hand too high. Has life ever disappointed you before and you accidentally want to blame God? Okay, life is tough for real, but God is good. Don't confuse the two. We don't know. Here, let me just zero in, okay? We don't know why Judas did what he did because the Bible doesn't tell us what his motives were. And here's why. In order that we could learn from him as a generic audience, in order that nobody here today can say, I'm not like Judas, he was, we, we don't know. You've been disappointed? You, you have unpure motives like everybody? You have things that are not godly going on? So did Judas. And the wise thing to do would be to ask this question, how can I protect myself from doing the same thing? We don't respect Judas, really, in church circles. Judas, man, he was... He was a different kind of guy. Really? He might have been just like everyone else, except he failed to meet Jesus. I'm going to give you some observations quickly that we can glean about Judas. Number one, okay, this is for you when people fail you, like Judas failed the 12 and failed Jesus. Number one, write this down, other people's failures may not be your fault. Okay, sometimes when people fall apart. It's not your fault, but it's theirs. Judas can't blame anyone else for the decisions and mistakes in his life. And when you see a child of yours go astray or a spouse or somebody else fail to do what they were supposed to do, you need to, like Judas, look at it and say, wow, I, I, they need to own that. There are situations in your life where you do have a part to play. Okay? Don't raise your hands at all. But, but where you've failed somebody, you've hurt somebody, and you need to repent. Okay? Seek reconciliation and restoration. But by and large, I've been in the ministry for a while now, and I have seen guys, men and women, come along and say, hey, let's go, let's go. Where'd they go? And they fall apart. Their lives implode. And I check my heart. Did I, did I miss the mark? Did I do something wrong? And sometimes I did. Other times, I just have to trust the Lord. 
I have to trust the Lord. Second thing I want you to notice in observations is that sitting under great Bible teaching isn't enough to save you. You have to believe it too. Do you think the Bible studies that Judas had given to him were pretty good, pretty life-changing? Hey, Jesus, tell us about that one time in Daniel chapter 3 where you were in the fire with Dan, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Tell us about that story again. Hey, Jesus, I missed a part when you were talking about Psalm 22, how you're the fulfillment of the prophet. Hey, tell us one more time, go over that. Judas had all that. And can I just say something right now? There is more Bible study tools for free, more opportunities, more sermons, more things afforded to you than ever before. And it's not going to save you unless you believe it. It's not going to save you. Unless Judas had it and it didn't change him number three going to church and being with jesus people isn't enough you have to be one of them judas had great friends great community group great bunch of people he was sitting right next to that didn't do it for judas he shows us that that's possible number four leading a ministry is not enough you have to love jesus okay jesus was on staff with jesus christ he was one of the pastors this is what he did for a living you would imagine he's saved, it's not enough. You have to actually, this is so cool, for me, you have to love Jesus. I love being a pastor, I love being used. I love what God is doing here at South Beach Church, but it is worthless if I don't love Jesus. Okay, I promise you that. And there are churches today that are full, I don't know how, and there are ministries that are on TV, I don't know how, and there are people that are writing books and going to conferences, like Judas. They're successful in what they do, but they don't love Jesus. Judas shows us this and says, beware, beware. Just leading a ministry is not enough. You have to love Jesus. As a matter of fact, you can be in ministry and go to hell. You can be an enemy of God. It's crazy. I was thinking this through. I got some names I wrote down. I'm not going to mention them to you. People who I used to read and listen to and look up to until they got further and further into weird waters. And then now you're like, wait, wait, you're not even a Christian. No way. What the heck? Because they don't love Jesus. Judas shows us that. I got three more and we're done. This is pretty obvious, but uh, a false leader leading in Jesus' church can cause chaos and confusion for years to come. We have to be careful who we let to have leadership positions in the church. We've had people over the years come up to us on, on, a, on a whim. Hey, I want to be part. I want to do this. I want to. And we're like, cool. Go to church for a while. Get to know us. We'll get to know you as we all get to know Jesus. And I've seen people react. I want to be, I want to, blah, blah. It's like, hey, cool, cool. Me too. I do. But we have to be careful who we allow. We want to make sure that they're connected with Jesus. Uh, three more. Sometimes, okay, six, seven, and eight. We're going for eight, eight of them, okay? I didn't tell you that. Sorry about that. 18, 18, 18 notes, no. I didn't even tell the first service, the first one. We didn't have time, but let's keep going. Number six. Uh, sometimes false teachers can appear credible, loving, and generous, uh, just like Judas as he quoted that he wanted to take care of the poor. And just use your discernment. I have people call me from time to time, hey, I'm going to give a bunch of money to this organization. What do you think? I'm like, what? <laughs> no. Have you done the research? Do you know what these people stand for? Do you know what they're doing? And the people are just so, they're generous and kind. No, they're snakes. They're wolves. They're false. Be careful. Judas shows us that. They don't love Jesus. Number seven, and again, this is, these last two points are the most important. 
You can't lose your salvation, but you can fake it. Okay, Judas never, Judas never lost his salvation because he was never saved. He learned the talk. He learned what to do, what not to do. He had the right friends. He went to the right services. Listen, but he never loved Jesus. When he blew it and made a mistake, he went to the high priest, not to Jesus. He tried to clean it himself. He tried to fix it with remorse and regret, which is normal and natural, but he didn't go to Jesus for repentance and forgiveness. And instead, that remorse and regret led to disappointment, which led to depression, which led to suicide. Because he didn't know Jesus. He didn't know the grace in his eyes. Peter did some horrible stuff. Paul did horrible stuff. Judas did horrible stuff. I've done horrible stuff. What's the difference? Jesus. Do you love him or not? The final thing is very important. How your life concludes is far more important than how your life begins. We're all going to die. We're all going to finish our race. It's not about how you start. It's how you finish. Okay? In your journey with Jesus, today is the most important day right now. Today. If you're listening, you got a pulse, you're here, this is the most important day. Man, I got baptized in 1983. It was pretty legit. 1983 is long gone. Okay? Man, I did this one mission trip one time in 1992 to Panama. Long gone. Man, I remember 1973, I read the book of Romans. It was crazy. It's over. And if you have a pulse, dude, this is it. How you end is more important than how you begin. And you might have gotten wonky or weird. You might have been selfish and rebellious. Okay? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to get depressed and disappointed and ultimately distance yourself like Judas did? Or are you like Peter, going to be the first one of the tomb saying, dude, Jesus, it's me. Is there any room for me at the table? And the Lord would say, yes, there is. Did you know that Jesus actually pursued Peter? And I believe he would have pursued Judas too had Judas been alive. Judas didn't make it. Judas freaked out, wigged out. Couldn't handle it, couldn't handle it because he didn't know Jesus. I'm gonna have Ryan come up and lead us in a song. We're gonna close. And the most important thing about you today is your understanding of who Jesus is, not who you are. It's not who I am. This is about Jesus Christ. And with grace in his eyes for you as he bled on the cross, as he paid for your sins, even as he picked up Malchus's ear and rebuked Peter and said, Peter, have you not known? And here we are today about to take communion. We're taking the bread, which represents his body. We're taking the cup, which represents his blood. And he says to you, I'd love to forgive you right now. Of all the stupid sins you've been justifying, that stupid stuff on your phone, that stupid stuff in your computer, that stupid stuff at the workplace, and that stupid stuff, it's just stupid. And I love you, don't minimize it. That conviction you have in your heart, that is a gift from God to you, so you know you're playing with fire. He doesn't want you to get taken out. And, and here's how I'm going to end this time. If you close your eyes and pray with me. If you're here today and you need to repent of something, it could be small, it could be big. It could be on one of those three levels horizontally. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. John 16 says that's what he does. Jesus said there is an unforgivable sin. Only one. 
The unforgivable sin is not letting him forgive your sin. And the way your sins stay unforgiven is because you don't repent. They're yours. You pay for them. And I'm just here to tell you as your friend, you can't afford it. And if there's something in your heart right now, you're, uh, uh, that, that, that's it, that's it. Holy Spirit's putting his finger on it right now. That's it. I've justified it for a billion reasons. I'm not as bad as I used to be, but I'm still not where I want to be. The other justifications, they come so fast. Well, the rest of the world's worse than I am. Yeah, true. My friends, they do it. Yep, that's probably true. I could be worse. That's obviously true. And the Lord says, you know what I want for you? I want to bless you with intimacy. Right now, your life is overwhelming. You're, you're fatigued spiritually, emotionally. And I just want to care for you. I want to care for you. Would, you. would you give me that burden, son? Would you give me that burden, daughter? And if you're, no one's looking, if you would just say, yeah, I need to repent of something. You just, I don't even know what to do. And, and, and when you repent of this, you're, you're, you're extending your hand to God and you're saying, God, by your power and the Holy Spirit, would you help me? Would you help me? Would you cleanse me? I can't undo what I've done, but I need help not doing it again. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up right now? No one's looking. This is between you and Jesus. Just repent. Lord, would you cleanse us right now with your blood? And would you help us with your Holy Spirit to not do stupid stuff? Forgive us of our sins. We don't want to call it okay. We don't want to put a little bit in the cookie recipe and expect it to be okay. It's not okay. Forgive us of our sins, Lord, of our justification. Lord, you have so much more for us. Forgive us for being prideful. Think we know it all. I can handle it. I can handle it. No, you can't. It'll take you further, keep you longer, cost you more. Lord, the hands that are up right now, put them up right now. The hands that are up right now, Jesus, would you just eradicate sin and the desire thereof in Jesus' name? Just break it. Let it taste bad. Let it look bad. Let it smell bad. Let it just, let it just be broken and gone, gross and removed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, cleanse. The addiction, Lord, that is in this room, may it be broken. Raise up your hand right now if you're addicted and you need help. Lord, break the addictive cycle in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, eradicate and cleanse. Lord, that which sin has caused pain and harm in people's lives. Would you heal it right now in Jesus' name? Raise your hand if you need help and healing because of your sins. Raise up your hand. Lord, there's hands up all over the place in Jesus' name. And we ask God for a greater strength of your Holy Spirit. We can't promise you anything. All we can do is confess and repent and ask for help. So, Lord, have your mercy upon us. Anoint and do work. May this service, Lord, be profitable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.